Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brent. And this episode, we're discussing SST 103, the album Happy Nightmare Baby by Opal. It's our first, I think it might be our only Opal release that we'll do for the entire uh, the entire podcast brand and a lot of people have been really looking forward to this one I know you have been looking forward to this one um, I, I suspect you are a way bigger fan than I am but I've been looking forward to this one too because it's an interesting story yeah it is an interesting story and it's a really good album too so yeah been looking forward to it Ryan spiel for the dudes oh man okay well so my spiel is like a watt update spiel i got some packages in the mail and i need to uh i need to report back to the to the people go the first package i got this week that had some watt in it was the new jump started plowhards 12 inch called round one it's really good hey yeah i quite like it it comes out on uh, recess records which is todd congelier's label i'm probably mispronouncing that but he is uh he's from fyp originally uh, i suppose and then he's also now in that band toys that kill but he's uh he put this together with mike and it's the great little 12 inch kind of a angular post punk type of record with a bunch of drummers including george hurley but also raul morales from the missing men who plays with mike and uh they actually plan to have five installments. This is just round one. And I'm looking forward to all five. I quite like it. It's uh, it's a great slab of wax from Watt yet again. And Brent, do you know who mastered this 12-inch? Don't tell me. Don't tell me it was John Golden. It was John Golden, man. Nice. So dude is still mastering. And it's a great sounding record, too. I like the vibe on it. It totally has a indie post-punk vibe that i'm i'm just into it's great 30 years Um, for recess records man i saw on instagram actually yeah they've got like a big big sale 30 years who knew i think todd would you know his little note if you subscribe to his email you know he sounds like he was quite surprised himself to have been going for 30 years so it's good for them man just like us when we finish this podcast in 30 years we'll be all like who (laughs) (laughs) yeah right i was thinking so it'll take us like if we stayed this dedicated at least six more years hey oh god what if what if you want to break up with me before then (laughs) (laughs) what if we get into a lover's quarrel (laughs) hopefully that doesn't happen what if you all of a sudden start liking shitty music? We'll have to stay together for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, uh, listen, part two of the Watt update. Also in the mail was another package from California uh, from Water Under the Bridge Records. And it's the new Wish Granters 12-inch. Mm-hmm. And this is a neat record that I don't know. What, have you heard this one yet? Yeah, it's almost like, it almost sounds like a garage rock album. Yeah, I put down like a neo-garage sound is what I wrote down. Mm-hmm. It's uh, It almost reminded me a bit now and then of that Royal Headache band from time to time. Okay. Uh, this one has got some sax and some harp on it, otherwise known as... Honking on the Bobo? 
There we go. <laughs> uh, so it's it's Jamie Morrison from Pale Angels on guitar and vocals, Mike Felix from Toys That Kill, and uh, this guy Vince Megrainy, I think. I'm mispronouncing all these names. I know from uh, Atomic Sherpas, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a cool 12 inch as well too. This was like a really good watt one two punch this week. They're both quality records i think people should check them out and man mike watt has put out a ton of stuff this year and it all has got something going for it like i was thinking of that mike bagato record and that ocampo ocampo watt single that i i like the a side on that anyways the b side not too much um what's given what's given robert pollard and like billy childish a run for their money unlike those guys though every watt record is really different from the next true it like it gives me hope that someone as cool as watt can still put out some just insane stuff and collaborate with all these people around the world and uh release good music good art uh makes me pumped man it makes it you know like this sst thing there's actually something to it right for sure that's it for me all right i actually have a watt related spiel here too Nice. One of our listeners, Ed K, was responding to, uh, I think we were talking about uh, Tortoise on the Bucky Pope episode, Tar Babies, yes, Fried right. Milk. So he yep. let us know the Tone t- Scientist 7-inch that Bucky and Watt did features John Herndon of Tortoise on drums. Did you know that? I think I knew that. I can't remember. I think it says something on the sticker that came with that 7-inch. That's a cool 7-inch, too, that came out this... Well, did it come out this year or last year, Record Store Day? I can't remember. I think it was last year. Also, he says, Tortoise has a box set called A Lazarus Taxon, which has a track that features both Watt and Kira on bass. Oh, that'd be neat. Yeah. You know, I think we mentioned during the Tar Babies episode, like, you had assumed that I would be a big fan of them, and and they've never really grabbed me. But maybe it's time to revisit Tortoise. I don't know. Maybe. Now that you mentioned this, if I came across that box set and I had uh, some, a couple of saw bucks burning a hole in my pocket, I'd probably take a dive for that box set, I bet you. Yeah, I knew you would. Yeah. Any more spiels, Brant? Yeah, I've got a couple recommends. And these nice. are both for you. Oh. <laughs> Well, Hold out. Let me let me let me get out my mechanical pencil. Hang on. This one might not be for you because I have a feeling you already know this band. You may you may have even spieled about this band before. Maybe they were even in your top ten. They might have been. Uh, <laughs> the band's called Multicult. Do you know them? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. man. So their new album, the LP's on Learning Curve. The CD is on Reptilian, and it's really good. Oh yeah. Those guys have, uh, well, both Learning Curve and Reptilian have gotten a lot of dough for me over the years through mail order. And um, I actually ordered a package from the Multicult folks one or two records ago, and they threw in like an extra 12-inch and some download codes for a hard-to-find 7-inch of theirs. I really enjoy them, and it's, it's like, you know, modern noise rock yeah, and it's it's right up my alley. But um, I'm glad you dig the multi cult. They're good. It definitely owes a debt to 
you know, touch and go records and the Jesus lizard and all that stuff, but they're their own band yeah. and they're good. Yeah. hundred percent. What's next. All right. Second recommend is the new EP from Chris Haskett. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you keep up with him. He's puts out an album every couple of years. I think he put one out last year. Uh, this one's called insufficient necessities. It's four tracks of guitar-based instrumentals. He has a Bandcamp page. Uh, you can get CDs for, I think, most of his releases still, and for sure this one on his Bandcamp page. Uh, he says, derived from a fevered dream in which Blow by Blow and Wired were recorded by a Go-Go fan. Blow by Blow and Wired are, of course, references to Jeff Beck's jazz fusion uh, phase from the 70s. And these are definitely, you can hear that, for sure, in his guitar playing on these albums. But they're funky, too. There's, like, bongo drums and some cool percussion going on. They're really good. I have one CD by him called Language. The uh, 2-1361 release, I believe it is. Yeah. And I haven't listened to that one for a long time. It didn't grab me, but... I try and keep up with Chris. I've always liked his guitar playing. I'm a huge fan of the Rollins Band. and Oh, yeah. I'll always check out anything any of those guys do. So, Yeah, I thought his guitar playing was one of the main things that made that band, too. For sure. He has some really interesting, innovative type of riffs and licks and textures and stuff. And uh, it's one of the reasons that I checked out that one solo album. But yeah, uh, maybe I wasn't in the mood that day. Check this stuff out. I think you'd like it. If I'm remembering that, that album, Languages or Language, whatever it's called... I think it's more avant-garde. I could be wrong about that. It's been a long time since I listened to that one too, but yeah, I almost think it was maybe even ambient or something. Yeah. This is I don't know. This sounds like 70s jazz fusion. But like and What's it called again? Uh Insufficient Necessities. Not really wild fusion, pretty like structured riffs and stuff, but it's good. Okay, I'm on it. That's all I have, Ryan. Do you want to do you want to get into this Opal record? Yeah, it's time for a happy nightmare, baby. History lesson, part one. Bear with me on this. I did a ton of research. I really wanted to give this album its due. Uh, it's an important record, and I know a lot of people really like it. I hope a lot of our listeners have heard it. I really like it, and uh, I really wanted to do it justice, so hopefully, hopefully we did that. I have no doubt. You've been researching this since we started the podcast, right? <laughs> Not quite, but... <laughs> yeah. for oh, le- like episode two, right? For, uh, I've been re- researching it at least since last week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to start telling you about... Start by telling you about David Roback. Because it's kind of his band. So David grew up in L.A. He went to Palisades High School. And he graduated in, in 1975. He is the brother of Stephen Roback, and they had a band uh, with their neighbor, Susanna Hoffs, who went on to be the singer and guitar player in The Bangs, uh, who changed their name to The Bangles. And this kind of started his string of bands fronted by women. Uh, He forms a new band in 1981 while he's in Minnesota with his college roommate, Matt Piusi, who were both attending Carleton College. Stephen, his brother, joins on bass. Will Glenn joined on keyboards. And Eddie Kalwa joined on drums. And they release a single called 
What She's Done to Your Mind on their own Lama Records in 1983. And then they release their debut full-length Emergency Third Rail Power Trip, which is considered a classic album and uh, one of the best to come out of the so-called Paisley Underground. And most listeners are probably familiar with the Paisley Underground. We're talking bands like Green on Red, The Long Riders, The Dream Syndicate, uh, The Bangles. Mostly bands that came out of the punk scene but were more influenced by The Birds, Love, Psychedelic Rock. The Rain Parade were definitely one of the bigger bands of the, the Paisley Underground. And Kendra Smith also sings backup vocals on the Third Rail Power Trip album. Uh, he quits the band in 1984, and the rest of the band goes on without him. Uh, too many cooks in the kitchen, I think, i.e. competing songwriters, was kind of the problem there. That's a quote, by the way, too many cooks in the kitchen, was what he said at the time about why he left the band. They did reform the Rain Parade without David in 2012 and recorded three new songs uh, for this compilation called 3x4, an album that came out in 2018 with the Bangles, the Dream Syndicate, and the Three O'Clock, all of whom are currently reformed. After leaving the Rain Parade, David put together a new project called Rainy Day, after meeting some of the participants at a barbecue held by the band Green on Red. It wasn't really a band, it was more of like a studio project, I think. Uh, they recorded an album at, at Radio Tokyo with Ethan James in 1984. It's a self-titled album, called the band's called Rainy Day, and they put it out on their own label again, Llama Records. There's a whole bunch of people from the scene involved on it, Susanna Hoffs, uh, Dennis Duck from the Dream Syndicate, uh, Michael Quercio, who we've talked about before from the band Salvation Army, who, who became the Three O'Clock, uh, Susanna Hoffs, uh, Vicky Peterson from the Bangles, Will Glenn, who we'll be talking about pretty soon, he played, played cello and violin, uh, and Will Glenn is also uh, known as William Cooper, uh, and he was in the Rain Parade, he uh, is going to play on this Opal album, and he also went on to play in Mazzy Star. Carl Prakota from the Dream Syndicate also played on the Rainy Day album. Uh, Matt Pusey and Kendra Smith sang two songs on it, Big Star's Holocaust and Buffalo Springfield's Flying on the Ground is Wrong. It was a covers album. They do songs by Hendrix, uh, Bob Dylan... Big Star, The Who, some uh, traditional folk songs. Do you have that record? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I like it. Is it, uh, like, did they put another spin on those songs, or are they pretty true to form? Uh, I'd say they're pretty true to form. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kendra Louise Smith was born in Champlain, Minnesota. Uh, while attending university in California... Uh, she had a band called The Suspects, and they released one self-titled uh, release in 1979. It was a single, and the band was Gavin Blair on drums, who uh, would go on to be the vocalist in a band called True West. Do you know True West, Ryan? Oh, I know that name. I don't know why I know it, though. Really awesome band. Uh, also in this band, The Suspects, is a, is a guy named Russ Tolman, who was also in True West. 
I would recommend if you ever see a CD compilation called Hollywood Holiday Revisited by the band True West. It's well worth the money, but you can pick up all of their stuff in just about any cheap bin, and they're awesome. What do they sound like? They sound like, you know, these Paisley Underground bands. Okay. Yep. Rickenbackers? Yep. Yeah, okay. Rickenbackers, more towards the Long Riders side of things. Yeah, I have I have a couple Long Riders albums, and I like them. Yeah. Also in this band, uh, the Suspects, uh, was Steve Wynn. And Steve is the uh, singer-songwriter in the Dream Syndicate. And he wrote all the songs for, for the Suspects. And you can see some really good footage of them. And hear the single on, on YouTube as well, the Suspect single. It's really good. Early kind of L.A., almost power pop, with a little bit of a new wave vibe to it. Uh, and another dude, Steve Suchil, played bass in the Suspects. So what happened was Steve Wynn moved back to L.A. He meets Carl Percota, Dennis Duck, who was in the band Human Hands, and Kendra joined them on bass, Kendra Smith. They play their first show as The Dream Syndicate on February 23rd, 1982 at Club Lingerie. They record a four-song EP with Paul Cutler, engineering and producing, and they signed a slash imprint Ruby for their famous album The Days of Wine and Roses, released in 1982, uh, which Kendra played on. Pretty much the most famous album, I would say, probably to come out of the, the Paisley Underground. Kendra leaves prior to the recording of their major label debut, The Medicine Show, in 1983, which is a phenomenal record. She said later about leaving the Dream Syndicate, I could foresee that it had to be a space for Steve to do his trip, and I wanted to do more than play bass. So, sometime after the uh, Rainy Day album, David Roback and Kendra Smith get together and they form the band Clay Allison. Uh, with Keith Mitchell on drums. And Keith was the drummer in the band Monitor. Remember them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, guess what? What? I found that Tiki's 7-inch. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm going to surf with Monitor right away here. Awesome. Uh, Keith also played in a band called The Romans on this really awesome album called Last Days at the Ranch from 1986, which I pretty sure I've mentioned on the podcast before, the Romans. Yeah, you definitely have. Yeah. And he played in one of my favorite bands to come out of this scene, Green on Red. He played on their awesome 1987 album, The Killer Inside Me. So Clay Allison recorded with Ethan James in the fall of 1983 uh, with David Keith from Monitor on drums, and Kendra, and also this guy Juan Gomez, who was in The Romans and Human Hands, and they recorded two tracks. Actually, that's not true. They probably recorded more, but they released uh, two tracks on a single, uh, Fell from the Sun and All Souls, and that was released in conjunction with the Bucketful of Brains magazine in 1984. And one of those tracks has Terry Graham on drums from Alice Bag, The Cramps, Gun Club, and Leaving Trains. Around this time, they also released a promo single on Enigma in 1984 uh, with the tracks Grains of Sand and Fell from the Sun again. That track, Fell from the Sun, is definitely my favorite early Clay Allison track. They also have a track on the compilation 
Don't Shoot, which is the LP we talked about probably on the first episode for Divine Horseman, because that is the compilation album that Chris D. was producing where he met Julie Christensen. Oh, it wasn't that Tooth and Nail comp? No, that's the Don't Shoot LP. Tooth and Nail comp is way, way earlier. That's okay. That's the one that has flesh eaters and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't shoot was a bunch of. It was like kind of like the rainy day thing. It was John Doe, the Romans, Divine Horseman, Stephen McCarthy from uh, the Long Riders, uh, Danny and Dusty are on there. That's Steve Wynn and Dan Stewart. Steve Wynn from the Dream Syndicate and Dan Stewart from Green on Red. Uh, Clay Allison does a song on there. They do a cover of Elizabeth Cotton's Freight Train. This this is in 1986. And it seems sometime around 1985, they changed their name from Clay Allison to Opal. The name Clay Allison was borrowed from a Western film character. The name Opal was supposedly derived from the song Opal, O-P-E-L, which is, which is a Sid Barrett track. Then in 1985, as Opal, they release a 12-inch EP called Northern Line. And all of this Clay Allison stuff, plus or minus a few tracks, like unreleased stuff, are on a 1989 comp uh, by Rough Trade called Early Recordings. And uh, I found an interview with David Roback online where he says, this interview is from like right after Happy Nightmare Baby came out, and he says in the interview that the Early Recordings compilation is going to be coming out on SST didn't happen and it ended up coming out on rough trade instead which is too bad because i would have liked to talk talk about this the early stuff is not as cool as this album it's really a lot more acoustic based with a lot a lot of slide guitar it's really not like a psychedelic a lot of it almost sounds like the gun club or something Hmm. i wonder if i'd like it more actually maybe this is a review of the uh early recordings that i found on trouser press Draining away much of Happy Nightmare's pseudo-mystical fiddle-faddle, early recordings concentrates on Opal's acoustic side. The spare production adds a chilling closeness to Smith's vocals. Roback's guitar noodlings feel loose and uncontrived. One of the best things I found about Opal was actually an LA Times article from 1987 by this guy Craig Lee. Michael Whitaker actually sent it to me. And it's dated, the article's dated November 29th, 1987, which is really interesting because I was trying to piece together uh, the timeline of of when Kendra Smith left Opal. Here's what uh, it says in this LA Times article from 1987. Clay Allison played one live show before Roback and Smith went back underground working on the debut Opal album over an eight-month period. SST released the album three months ago. Like I said, this article article was published on November 29th, 1987. So I'm, I'm thinking this album was released sometime around August. Uh, he goes on, and it's become a permanent fixture on college and alternative radio playlists. So I actually reached out to Brian Long about that. You remember Brian from the Dos Domin episode? He was like, he pushed stuff to radio. Yes, for SST. Here's what he said. 
Man, many of us at the label were so into the Opal album. It was different from anything the label had been releasing, with the exception of Always August, perhaps, where that band was coming at their psychedelia from a dead meets jazz meets slacker jazz thing. Opal was a direct line to Sid Barrett, The Doors, Velvet Underground, Middle Eastern Indian Drone, and T-Rex. It's personally not only one of my fave SST releases, but fave albums of all time. I feel honored that I was able to work the album and help spread the word about it. Mm. The band was headed by an ex-Rain Parade and an ex-Dream Syndicate, which gave them important pedigree. Some college stations had played the Clay Allison release and were aware of the import Opal Northern Line 12-inch. This combination helped jumpstart their immediate immediate success at college radio happy nightmare baby did very very well they came into the office once by my count and it was intriguing david and kendra walked around and kind of said hello but there was a waft of mystery about them kendra in particular had this aura about her shortly after the album was released they played an sst fest we set up at ucsd they were on a great bill with Lawndale, Firehose, and the Screaming Trees, but it was Opal we were all anticipating. Most of us had not seen them play live. They were great. The record got a lot of attention upon release both in the U.S. and overseas where Rough Trade had released it. Still, it came as a, as a surprise when Jesus and Mary Chain asked them to sp- support their November into December U.S. tour. They started the tour in Philly, so Opal had to drive cross-country to meet them. We started to hear about issues between David and Kendra shortly after the tour started. Then, following the second New York City show, we heard Kendra had left the tour. We had all assumed that was it. Opal's not finishing the tour. There was a four- or five-day planned break before the tour resumed in Boston. Incredibly, David got his friend Hope Sandoval to fly out rehearse and join the tour by the time they'd returned to la they'd done a dozen shows or so i think the show was at the palladium we were super excited to see this new opal hope was super shy and just kind of floated by the microphone she retained the sensuality that kendra brought to the band and was a good fit kendra leaving the band didn't really hurt the sales and popularity of the album in many ways it helped create create more interest Everyone loves drama in the entertainment business. The tragedy is how rare this record is now. It's out of circulation by SST, and like way too many albums from this era, it's not on the digital service providers. It exists as a whisper between folks in the know. So thanks to Brian for sending that in. That's really great. Yeah. He's right, too, that, you know, it's not easy to... When you find this record, it's always, you know... 40 bucks or something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to get back to this LA Times article. The group recently opened for the revamped Pair Ubu on the East Coast and landed the opening slot on the Jesus and Mary Chain current tour. Smith left the band after a recent show in Boston. When last heard from, according to SST Records, she was living in a cavern near Seattle. Roback has enlisted an equally enigmatic vocalist, Hope, and bassist Wolf Knapp, formerly of notable East Coast alternative music band Antinum and Christmas. Here's a quote from David that I found in this article by, with Jeff 
Schmier, uh, this is right after the album came out uh, from October of 87. He says, how do you like being on SST? And David said, I feel very comfortable, very at home on SST. I think they're a unique label and their commitment to providing a legitimate alternative format is really very, very important. SST or any label like them is very important to keeping music alive and keeping it from being controlled by the capitalist music business structure. It's a vital thing to have labels like that, and that's what's great about being involved with them. All right, I also asked Michael Whitaker. I'm hitting up all my SST contacts here trying to get get some info on Opal. And here's what Michael Whitaker said. Really interesting. He said, It started out cool, fairly casual. It quickly became a money pit. Roback is a perfectionist and always seemed to need just a little more time for overdubs in the studio. And dig this, Ryan. Spaceman, Michael Whitaker, and Michael Meister, who co-founded Texas Records and Henry Rollins' later label Texas Hotel Records, were co-managing Opal. Mm. He says their last gig was at the I-Beam in San Francisco. We knew it was the last one. Kendra was such a blithe spirit, and Roback was hungry for stardom. He finally found his muse with hope. And Spaceman thinks that how they got hooked up with SST was through Keith, the drummer. He says, Greg Ginn and Carducci were big fans of Monitor. Oh yeah, no surprise there. I was really happy to hear from Brian and and from Michael Whitaker because there's so much conflicting things on the internet about when Kendra left the band. I read a few things. She quit before the album even came out, which is definitely not true. I did find some gig posters, a few. Those are even hard to find. Social Distortion played at the Palladium show with, uh, with Opal and the Jesus and Mary chain, which I thought was cool. And I found another gig they played with the Jesus and Mary chain um, at this Atlanta punk club called the Metroplex with a band called Roger Miller Maximum Electric Piano, which I thought was cool. That's a good name. Yeah. And as far as like you know, not being able to hear this stuff or whatever. This is just my theory that I'm sure I've floated on this podcast before. The publishing is not Sestone, which is Greg Ginn's publishing company, which a lot of this stuff is. Yep. It's Sally Garden's publishing Northern Line Music. One of those would be David Roback's publishing. The other one would be uh, Kendra Smith's. I'm not sure which is which, which is which. And it's also licensed to Rough Trade in the UK. This did come out on CD by SST by SST, but not on cassette, which I also thought was interesting because they were pretty much putting everything out on cassette. Yeah, I wonder how many they pressed of this album because it is, not only is it not available online, not only is it expensive when you find it, but you find it only once in a blue moon too. Like, I don't think they did a very large pressing of it in any format. Definitely, and maybe even, like, I've actually, I've never seen it on CD I bet you there's more copies of it on LP, and there's hardly any of those. Yeah. Did you get any info on that? No, I didn't. No. Nobody knows that kind of stuff. I, yeah, I, I, I always ask the bands, and they don't know. Yeah. Whatever the case uh, with Kendra leaving is, uh, she resurfaced in 1990 on a split single with Keith Levine from Pill and Hillel Slovak from uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then again in 1992, 1992, 
with an album called Kendra Smith Presents the Guild of Temporal Adventures, which is a 10-inch CD EP of, according to Trouser Press, folky electropop pump organ as a primary instrument. And she released a solo album in 1995, Five Ways of Disappearing, on the label 4AD. Trouser Press says, both a strong recapitulation and a brave relaunch, the album has it all. Quiet, velvety obsessions, trancy rock, trad folk, and one of the best acoustic Zeppelin imitations in recent memory. Not much is known about Kendra at about the period after this came out, but by all her reports, she completely fell off the grid, moved into a small cabin in Northern California with no electricity. She had moved there in 1990, and she did two appearances to promote this solo release and then kind of went back. She's made few appearances since. Uh, She did sing on a track called Kendra's Dream on the previous Dream Syndicate record that came out before the one that came out this year. Uh, their 2017 reunion album, How Did I Find Myself Here? And she has performed that song with them live a couple times. And she also released a track on a soundtrack for a movie called Leave No Trace. David Roback and Hope Sandoval carried on with the name Opal, uh, retaining Keith Mitchell on drums and Suki Ewers on keyboards. Here's what I found about Hope Sandoval. She was still in high school uh, when her fellow student, Sylvia Gomez, and her formed a duo called Going Home. Uh, They gave Kendra a demo tape of the Going Home project at a a rain parade gig in 1983, and David offered to produce an album by the pair, which still has never been released. And this is uh, from the bio on Hope's official website. Uh, During the Opal tour in December 1987, Kendra left the band and disappeared. David called Hope to see if she would be interested to take Kendra's place in Opal. They found Kendra and had some discussions. They did two more shows together, but then she flew home. Keith Mitchell flew home, and the next day he flew back with Hope. After that tour, Opal became Mazzy Star. Now, according to Wikipedia's Mazzy Star page, Happy Nightmare was released on December 14th, 1987. I don't think that's accurate. It also says on the Wikipedia Wikipedia page that that Hope Sandoval's duo with Sylvia Gomez, uh, Going Home, toured with Sonic Youth and the Minutemen. I've also never heard of that before. They, They maybe played some shows with them, but I don't think they toured with them. It also says Rough Trade retained the deal they had with Opal, contractually obligating David to give them a follow-up Opal LP. They toured as Opal for the next two years, during which time they completed production on Opal's planned second album titled Ghost Highway. Composed mainly of songs written by David and Kendra, Sandoval stated that she was unhappy with the material and wanted to start over. They quickly composed seven new tracks and renamed the group Mazzy Star. It was the group's second LP, So Tonight That I Might See, which was released in 1993, which featured an unexpected hit, Fade Into You, which peaked at number 44 on Billboard and number 3 on Modern Rock Charts, and the album went gold, which is half a million records. 
Uh, Mazzy Star went on hiatus several times, played reunion shows. They released an EP and did some shows in 2018. Hope Sandoval has done three albums and some some EPs and singles as Hope Sandoval and the Warm Inventions. David Roback wrote and produced the songs uh, which actress Maggie Chung sings for the 2004 film Clean, and he plays himself in the movie. It's an interesting movie if you've never seen it. Seen it. The first part of it is actually set in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Uh, it has the band Metric in it. Uh, Nick Nolte's in the movie. James Johnston of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds is in the movie. And the band in the movie that David Roback is in is very Opal, Mazzy Star-esque. A few of the other musicians we should talk about. Suki Ewers, who plays on this album. It's really unclear who do, does what on the album, by the way. Because there's yeah. no individual credits. Suki Ewers uh, sang harmonies in Opal. She played keys, rhythm guitar, and bass in Mazzy Star. She released a solo album to, in 2008 called Kind of Hazy. Uh, William Cooper, a.k.a. Will Glenn, uh, plays keys, violin, and, cell, and cello. He unfortunately passed away on March 16, 2001. Keith Mitchell played drums. Uh, he also passed away on May 14, 2017. And I think he played some drums on this, I'm assuming, Aaron Shearer. And I'm only assuming that because he played drums in Perry Farrell's pre-Jane's Addiction band, Psycom. Mm, right. Uh, one more thing I'll mention, Ryan, you had talked earlier about uh, this being our only Opal album. Actually, SST 255 was supposed to be a single, a CD single of the tracks Rocket Machine, Supernova, and Magic Power, but it was never released. Where did you find that? It's on Discogs. Is it? Yeah. Do you want to talk about the album? Let's do it. History Lesson, Part 2. Okay, I have some reviews for you first. Okay. Here's from the Perfect Sound Forever blog that we've talked about before, Dave Lang. Imagine a bizarre mixture of Terry Riley's organ drone, the Velvet's riff churn, and T-Rex-style boogie glam teen rock with sexy female vocals, a perfect summer's day listen, and the title track is a classic. Okay, here's a cool one. Jay Hinman, Dynamite Hemorrhage. He, yep. Before he switched over to that name, his original blog was called Agony Shorthand, and here's what he wrote in 2006. Happy Nightmare Baby, for years, actually took a back seat in my eyes to the posthumous 1989 Opal record called Early Recordings, which had all the Clay Allison stuff and a few extras. That one was really folky, sometimes acoustic Velvet Underground-inspired shaman rock, with a lot of the mystical swirling weirdness of their later stuff only hinted at. But today, I'm thinking Nightmare is the real lost classic. Roback plays guitar and feeds back like the lost son of Sid Barrett and Michael Caroli, but in a really restrained, strum-and-nod-off sort of way that sets the flickering candle mood perfectly. The careful, even way Kendra doles out her words is a beautiful thing, most fully realized on the classic She's a Diamond, 
a blues that's maybe the best thing they ever did. I'm also partial to the Psych by Numbers Magic Power, which could have come off Piper at the Gates of Dawn. It's that good. Here's one by a guy named Bucky Mayfield, Mayfield from a blog called Jive Time. Like many releases from SST's incredible run in the 80s, Happy Nightmare Baby languishes out of print. Opal's only studio LP proper is a fabulous, valuable record, and in a just world, SST or a label specializing in reissues would have kept this lovely masterpiece in print. But no, Ginn seems not interested in keeping the label's greatest titles available to the general public. Only tenacious bands with top-flight lawyers have managed to get the rights to their SST output for legit reissues. I realize it won't be easy, thanks Greg, but you should do whatever it takes to get Happy Nightmare Baby into your life. You deserve better than a YouTube rip. There is some really good footage online that everyone can check out. Uh, there's a full concert from 1988 with Hope Sandoval on vocals uh, shot in Italy. They do 17 songs, including a cover of The Velvet Underground's Heroin. And then, possibly one of the best SST-related videos on YouTube. I think Brian mentioned this in his thing that he sent us. It's SST Records Festival, spelt F-E-S-S-T-vol. From San Diego, UCSD, Jim Steps, September 17th, 1987. If you want to find it on YouTube, we'll post it too, but it's called Feast to Exist, as in F-E-A-S-S-T to Exist, E-X-I-S-S-T. It's got Firehose, Lawndale, Screaming Trees, full sets by all of them, and then uh, a really awesome, well-shot uh, opal set with David Kendra's on guitar and vocals. Looks like Suki on keys, Keith Mitchell on drums, and I'm assuming Will on bass. One more review I found from the LA Times. On first listen, Opal's album sounds like improvised hallucinogenic noodling. Repeated listens reveal a sensual, multi-textured, sonic love-in for the 80s with songs like Magic Power, fueled by screeching, bristling guitar playing against vaguely Indo-Arabian keyboards, and coolly erotic vocals. Imagine an amalgamation of their Satanic Majesty's Request, T-Rex, Sid Barrett, and Nico, and you have a good reference point. Let's do the tracks, Ryan. Okay, hit it. While we go through this, I'm going to be also peppering in some comments on the individual tracks I found in another review by this guy, John L. Murphy, uh, from an excellent blog piece called Rediscover Opal on Spectrum Culture blog. It's from 2015. Side 1, Track 1, Rocket Machine, written by David Roback. This is obviously an homage to T-Rex. Uh, yeah. With, with some pretty raw soloing from David over top of it. Here's from John Lee Murphy, or John L. Murphy. Swaggering vocals, crunchy guitar, staggered keyboards, Roback and Smith who together wrote two-thirds of these nine tracks, opt for a sinister swirl. It's a great opener. I love it. Yeah, you're not going to hear me say I love it as much as you for this record because I know I'm not as big of a fan, and a lot of this stuff is not really up my alley, like T-Rex. I like Velvet Underground okay. I guess this is just not a sound that's really ever grabbed me. Fair enough. 
Uh, track two, Magic Power, written by both David and Kendra. Real Doors vibe on this one. I'm assuming it's Suki on the keys. Whoever it is, the keys and David's wah-wah pedal work great together during the psychedelic parts. The lyrics are definitely a nod to to Mark Bolan and T-Rex. Jigsaw, Jenny, Motor City, Tomcat, Kelly, Electric Children, Over the Moon. That's total T-Rex stuff. Yeah, and I mean, having just said that, you know, I'm not as big a fan as of Opal as you are, this is the song that you, you just can't help but sing along to because it's got like just such a slinky groove, you know? Yeah, it's good. Uh, here's from that that blog. Roback's production scatters bits of the guitars, drums, and organ into the background. He keeps the center focused on the clash of percussion and the unruffled chant of Smith. This tension enriches the track, keeping it unpredictable. Definitely a, an album highlight. Magic yeah. Power. Track three, Revelation, written by David. Starts out with like a tape winding up. It almost sounds like they're coming out of a jam on another song or something. This one I like because it uses acoustic guitars under the electric ones, which is a total Stones signature sound. Hence, and the Who. And the Who, yeah. And Fire Hose. And Fire Hose. That's right. Uh, this one is definitely a, a nod to like the Stones, 60s stuff. When I was listening with headphones to this album, I, another thing I've always been a fan of is they really pan the instruments on this hard left and hard right, like the keys and the guitars, kind of adds to that 60s vibe because that's a that's a total 60s thing. Yep. This one to me sounded like a jam, maybe, with the lyrics added later. Here's uh, from that review again. Revelation features the rambling, slightly country and, w- and western lope that both Rain Parade and Mazzy Star sustained. Track four, A Falling Star. And uh, I noticed on the LP label, it's just called Falling Star. Uh, this is written by both Kendra and David. <laughs> I used to have this guitar, this like program for my guitar on my computer with a guitar tone called Cocked Wah, like a wah pedal <laughs> all the way down. And that's I, every time I hear it now, I think of that. And this this has that tone. It's definitely a guitar, a guitar, a, a wah pedal, all the way open. This is the one that doesn't have any drums. It's all bongos. Here's from the review: returns to the glam rock template. Smith's detached vocal challenging the listener. She waits, speaking between effects, speaking between effects-laden guitar and over Keith Mitchell's tapped percussion. It's barely over after it begins, and it it is very short. It's one and a half minutes long. And the side closes out with She's a Diamond, written by both of them. Uh, This is the bluesiest track on the LP by far. It sounds like a lot like if T-Rex covered the Stone song, You Got the Silver. This is an earlier track, actually. Uh, There's a version of it on the the early years. But that version is way more acoustic bass and has more slide guitar. Here's again from that review. Almost anticipating the attitude of Mazzy Star's vocalist, Sultry Hope Sandoval, Smith's delivery again states her confident disdain, this time of a, of a rival for love. Roback chose both his vocalists well. He seems to pr- 
prefer female singers who hint of danger. Flip it over and we're on Supernova, written by both of them. This is the most Rain Parade sounding track on the album. Uh, there's so many bands going for this sound right now, like especially in the last five to ten years. This track like is the blueprint for half of Ty Seagull's recorded output. All, all these bands like Moonface, Outrageous Cherry, even bands like Yola Tango and Lush like totally sound like this to me. Considering this came out in the 80s, it would not have been out of place to come out on a label like Vox or Midnight Records or even Get Hip. I was thinking. Okay. From the review, compresses the insistent eastern-tinged guitar and keyboards, coupling into a more grating, aggressive tune. Smith's vocals integrate her calm tone into the grittier, more un unsettled melody. Roback's arrangement emphasizes a droning background against a harsher guitar attack. Then we're on to the song Siamese Trap, written by both of them. I love the noisy, noisy guitar riffing on this one, except the keyboard pattern and the tone of the keyboard gets a little old for me on this one. But it, the the guitar or the keyboard tone kind of reminded me of like a Doors, like something Ray Manzarek would have in the Doors. Yeah, I can see that. Are you a Doors fan? Not. I don't love them. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I love a lot of classic rock, but never been a huge Doors guy. No. Then we go on to the title track, Happy Nightmare Baby, written by both of them. This is an amazing track, for sure the single. This one has a real girl group sound. It kind of reminds me of something like the Shangri-Las or something. The early recordings of Opal has a track called Bridget on Sunday, which is actually sung by Suki Ewers on that version, and that is the basis for this track. It's not the same. It doesn't have the same uh, lyrics or anything, but it has the same kind of riff. This is the one that they did a video for, and you can watch it on YouTube. You can actually see it on YouTube, introduced by David Roback. He says this is on our new LP on SST Records, but it, interestingly enough, he's flanked by Suki on one side, and on the other side of him is Hope Sandoval, not Kendra Smith. So his little opener for this was shot bef after she left the band, for sure. The video's cool, though. It's kind of this grainy, Super 8-looking footage, black and white. It looks like the band driving around in a car. But it's, it's cool. Here's from that review. The concise combination of tunefulness and mystery energizes the title track. Imagine Nico fronting the doors. Ray Manzarek's keyboard style gains an homage on this song. Although it's difficult to decipher whether it's Suki Ewers or William Cooper. The spare liner notes on their records discourage the acclaim the whole band merits for their subtle or forceful moments enhancing rowback. And that's true on the back of the LP. It just says credits and then it lists the name. It doesn't say who did what. Yeah. And then we close out the album with the song Soul Giver, written by David. This is the eight-minute psych rock opus. It's definitely the album closer. And I was thinking, you know, you know, when you think of Greg Ginn, for example, I think of like him being really into the Grateful Dead and into like a lot of jazz rock fusion stuff. But they him and the rest of the SST crew and bands were really, really into what we now refer to as classic rock. 
Black Sabbath, oh, yeah. Blue Oyster Cult, Jimi Hendrix, ZZ Top. And just look at some of the other bands that we have either gotten to or are going to get to, like Screaming Trees, DC3, Das Domin, Dinosaur Jr. All of those bands owe a huge debt to classic rock. Yeah, of course. And and so does Opal. Let's talk about the artwork. The cover just has a picture of Kendra looking sleepy. She's got her eyes closed and then David sitting on a hood of a car. Kind of like uh, Divine Horseman, middle of the night. Yeah, it's very, very Chris D type of car for sure. The back almost looks like, what do you call those things? Where you like carve something out and then like paint ink over it and like make it a big stamp. Oh, like a lino cut? Yeah, or a like, wood, a, like a lino cut. cut. It almost looks like that to me. A little bit. It definitely looks stampish because there's some smudging going on for sure. But then it has little inset photos here and there. I don't know if you, you can see that. Yeah, I can. Of course, you don't know who they are. It, it's definitely the band. Yeah. That's David Roback on the upper left in that star. This uh, one star on the right side over just to the right of the word Happy Nightmare Baby, that's the guy that's playing bass in that uh, live video. Blonde guy. And then yep. is that Kendra in the top right? Yeah, I'd say that's Kendra in the top right and probably Suki bottom left. And bottom, maybe bottom left. maybe David and Kendra standing on that phallic-looking rock right above the SST logo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not what it looks like to me, but sure, go for it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good... I mean, the artwork totally fits the band. When you're listening to it, you're like, yep. It looks, especially the back for me, the back cover really fits the band to me. Yeah. All the stars and the psychedelia, for sure. No dead wax on the album. Yeah. We can uh, we can do the ballot result. Right on. Ballot result. This one's all you, my man. I mean, Magic Power is the one that's still kind of stuck in my head, but I bet you, you may have picked something else. Uh, I really like Magic Power, and I really like uh, the first one, Rocket Machine. But I got to go with Happy Nightmare Baby. It's such a yeah. such a cool track. Yeah. Ryan, what's next week? Next week is an album I'm really looking forward to. I honestly have never really listened to this record, but after doing the No Age compilation, I'm really pumped to hear it. It's the uh, self-titled Blind Idiot God LP. Yeah, I'm really excited to get that to that one too. And we've got a special guest, Ryan. Andy Hawkins is going to be on the podcast. Yeah, whoa. Andy's on the show. Nice one. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.